Welcome to Horse Time, a podcast hosted by Carla Lanfear and Emily Anderson, two healers and horse lovers who strayed from the path of traditional dominance-based horsemanship to explore the question, what does it mean to be in true partnership with our horses? A relationship founded in freedom, connection, and love. Each episode, we share about our horse journeys, the struggles, self-doubt, and the conditioning we've had to face in order to blaze a new trail, and the magic that we discovered on the other side when we finally stepped out of our comfort zones and into the healing space of horse time. Welcome back to episode four of the Horse Time Podcast. We are so excited that you're here. We've loved hearing your feedback for the last couple episodes. And today we want to talk about some more aspects of the horse-human relationship, mainly boundaries, personal space, and the themes and the communication that comes up around that. Yeah, that's definitely a huge part of being with horses is the constant conversation that we're having with one another about personal space and obviously you know, them being very big and powerful creatures and us being quite small (laughs) comparatively. We have to be able to both keep ourselves safe, but then also what we're going to get into today is this idea of horses seeing us as trustworthy and someone who they want to follow and want to be with and feel comfortable leaving their herd to spend time with. And that our personal sense of space and our ability to claim that space and to know where we stand and to communicate that clearly is what communicates to them that we are reliable and trustworthy. And obviously this is all an embodied conversation. Yeah. I mean, I think maybe a good place to start is the fact that both us as humans and our horses are social animals And so there's parts of what it means to be in relationship that we both share and personal space is one of those things. So for example, someone who we know really well, we're usually very comfortable having that person in our space and there's a baseline of trust and mutual understanding and communication around that that makes us feel comfortable having that person in our space and then for people who we don't know super well that space is usually bigger or it's more dependent on the situation of when we feel comfortable having someone close or not Mm -hmm. and that also really depends on each individual person so usually we talk about personal space being this bubble that's about like an arm's length around your body And at any point in time, we get to say, you get to come in my personal space or you're not welcome. And I think our horses have the same, yeah, the same space bubble. So what we share is that common reality that we both have a personal space Mm -hmm. and you know, I think we can see this in wild horse herds that not everyone is invited into a horse's personal space. No. (laughs) They're going to make that really clear. 
yeah. and sometimes that personal space is the space bubble that's just around their body sometimes that space means me and my herd yeah. so for stallions and sometimes it's me and my resource <laughs> like my food or yep. my person or my foal or my child mm -hmm. uh, yeah so there's a shared language and a shared truth in that but I think what we see a lot in traditional horsemanship is that we don't really recognize that horses have a right to their personal space mm -hmm. and we don't really listen to their cues of when they tell us I'm uncomfortable with you being here I don't want to be touched or yeah we don't have that kind of relationship yet you know and maybe yeah. that's because we have a lack of what it means to have our own personal space. <laughs> yeah, well, I think to come at it through the lens of traditional horsemanship, the paradigm itself is a dominance model, as we've talked about mm -hmm. a whole bunch already on this podcast, and we'll continue to. <laughs> yeah. But in that dominance model, it is a power over model. So mm -hmm. it's, I am the leader you do what I say and your body belongs to me, right? Mm -hmm. Your sense of personal space belongs to me. Yes. I need um, to have access to you at all times. Right? Yeah. I feel like I've heard so many trainers say that of like, you need to have control over your horse's feet yes. at all times. Your horse needs to let you touch them anywhere on their body without right. having an issue. Right. Exactly. And as long as I can control the feet, I can control the horse, which is, which is true to the extent of, yes, you have the control, but it's, but as we're talking about in the being with horses, philosophy is what about the relationship, right? Is that authentic, true connection? No, it is power over. That's a dynamic of control over and domination. Yeah. Yeah. And what gives us the right, you know? Yeah. Like, did we earn, like, what does it mean if we put ourselves in that position what does it mean for us to let someone into our personal space? What needs to be in place before yeah. we feel safe with that? We need to trust that person. We need to feel like that person's listening to us. And like, we love that person and we feel safe with them. So there's a lot of prerequisites <laughs> that come with that, that we just jump over and we just assume that in order, I don't know, for us to be safe or for the horse to, accept our authority we have to be able to do all these things but yeah that's not true leadership we have to have total control that that's our model for what leadership especially in the horse world looks like and we know that that kind of leadership I mean that's a dictatorship <laughs> in yeah. government yeah. so it's I mean we can really extend that to our relationship with our horses mm -hmm. and also to look to their style of leadership and what that actually looks like in a horse herd because it is a collective. Yes, there is a, a hierarchy in the herd. There's an order. But um, it is actually, there's one thing I want to say about that, which yeah. is that it's actually not a linear hierarchy like what we yeah. think to be. So it's not top to bottom, right. bottom to top but it actually varies between the individual horses in the herd. Well, it, nothing is set in stone, right? And it is a flexible model. And really the order in the herd has to do with the role that yeah. each horse fulfills and that those roles can shift at times, depending mm -hmm. on what's needed, who's tired, 
who has more energy. It's a very collective model. And I heard someone describe it to what you were saying about how it's not linear recently. It's circular. It's that idea of sitting in a circle, right? And that everybody has a seat at that circle and that in that model, no place in that circle is more important than another. Yeah, exactly. Everyone plays an important role in supporting the collective. Yeah. And each role is equally as important as the other. And I think, you know, for example, so if we talk about personal space, right, grooming can be an example of that. Mm-hmm. And I think it is the case that horses that groom each other, they have a close relationship and they have a friendship. And yep. that has something to do with those horses having a relationship that is built on. I, I hate using the term respect because I think like that's such a human term, but it is though. I mean, it's, I think respect is an important term to use when we're working with our horses because especially, I mean, I'm just thinking of Aria and I think it's such an apt word to use with her because she is what we would call like a higher ranking horse mm-hmm. in her herd. And so her respect is something I have to earn. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. Well, I think that our horses justifiably think that it's a a misstep or inappropriate for us Mm -hmm. to just come into their space and touch them if we haven't earned that right if we haven't earned their trust they wouldn't treat each other that way exactly so quickly revisiting this idea of leadership though because when we talk about leadership I think often from like a human centric perspective, we often mistake that for dominance where, yeah, it's like having complete control, having the horse completely submit, not having their own opinion or their own perspective. Mm -hmm. Uh, But for horses, the two kind of leadership positions are the stallion and the the lead mare, Mm -hmm. right? And the lead mare The interesting thing about that is that the lead mare has everyone's best interests in mind. And that's the reason why she's trustworthy is because she knows where the water is. She knows where the food is. She knows how and when to leave. And then the stallion is there to protect. And so I think it's really important that we think about this aspect of what does it mean to have our horse's best interest in mind? And what does that require on our end? And what does it mean to get as close to something like that as possible, right? Because also not every one of us is born an automatic lead mare where we're completely (laughs) self-confident and we just like show up and, and own that. No, you know, like <laughs> some of us, yeah, we have our own insecurities. We have our own things that we're working with, but right. we can learn from that, you know, and we can become, we can grow towards that maybe for our horses, but there's yeah. a lot of self-development within that. Yes, absolutely. And I think that's what has been so helpful to shift in my 
personal relationship with my horses because there was so much conditioning and still is so much conditioning I'm having to unlearn around this idea of having to be the alpha with my horses yeah. all the time and that that's what the lead mare looks like, you know, ruling with this very firm and extreme <laughs> sense of discipline mm-hmm. uh, and rigidity too, I would say. And it's a very patriarchal. Yeah, it is. And that that's what I was told I had to become in order to have my horses respect me. Yeah. And it's so much more nuanced than that. Right. But even that image Mm -hmm. of a boundary, I don't use that term anymore. I use the term self-honoring because Mm. the idea of a boundary is like creating a wall between me and someone else. But really the whole intention of having boundaries is to be able to self-honor in a relationship with someone else. Yeah. Be true to who I am and be in relationship with someone else at the same time, which is going to involve compromise and is the constant conversation. So Mm -hmm. I think it's bringing in this softness and flexibility so that it's not, I have to be this kind of leader for my horses to respect me. Each relationship is different. Each horse needs something different. And what do I need to feel safe with each of those? Yeah horses because I'm important too and also what is my authentic style of leadership because maybe I'm not this stern alpha in fact I know I'm not <laughs> right? like yeah. that, is, that is not who I am and you know horses as we know can sense when we are not being true to ourselves and we're trying to be something we're not and they don't take to that unless they've just been taught to shut down and they just are dealing with whatever they're being confronted with but they want us to be who we are and be true to ourselves because that's that feeling of congruence so I think all this to say that what I have learned about the leader I need to become for my horses it always comes back to being true to myself and that's what we're looking for in our leaders in our world today yeah so the two things that you're speaking to in that it's twofold, right? The one part is our part, which is like you're saying to be aware of our personal space, be aware of our own needs and our emotions and where we're at and and attuning to what do I need in this moment to feel safe or can I let go a little bit more or is this a place where I can be flexible? And then the meta level of that specifically in relationship with our horses, is our responsibility to our horses to treat them with respect and care. Mm -hmm. And I think that's where I I very consciously want to use the term respect, because that's a term that we understand. Mm -hmm. And I think a lot of the ways that we treat our horses is incredibly disrespectful. And if we were to think about treating another person like that, it would be unimaginable, right? And I think a good example for that is, you know, a situation I've had with Frankie often is leaving the property with Mm -hmm. him alone, right? Mm -hmm. Often that's where we run into the first kind of truth or negotiation around this trust and this leadership. Yeah, Uh, just also to frame it, because you've shared about this before, that's now but 
it was even just taking him out of his paddock at the beginning, right? Where you had to have those conversations. Yeah, all of the minute interactions play into those moments. But I think often when something stops working is when we become aware. Yeah. Not all of the minute things before that. Right. So I would, you know, frequently end up, Frankie was happy to see me. He'd be motivated to do something. And we would get to the trail that leads out into the woods and he would stop and I'd be like okay <laughs> do not want to come with me what's going on yeah uh, and it what ended up happening over time is that I would start anticipating that he would stop and mm-hmm. I would be like oh my gosh he doesn't trust me what's going on mm-hmm. uh, he maybe he doesn't want to hang out with me right and I just started spiraling mm. that was one direction the other direction would be I would get really frustrated and I'd be like I'm here for you mm-hmm. I just drove 40 minutes to come yep. with you I've t- taken time out of my day I want to offer you something and so you know <laughs> why the fuck aren't you coming with me <laughs> and like you know So on one end of the lead rope is Frankie and on the other end of the lead rope, there's me and I'm having this whole tumultuous emotional experience (laughs) over him asking a question. Right. Right. And over time, what I realized the question he's asking is, are you present? Do you have my best interest in mind? Where are you right now? (laughs) Yeah. Where are you? Are you actually doing this for me or because you think that we mm. should be going for a walk right now because mm-hmm. I need to exercise because you think I'm fat because <laughs> because you want to have a horse that easily goes on walks with you right I mean like all of those yep assumptions and that's exactly when I'm in my head and I'm first of all either anticipating or I'm coming in with all these expectations I'm not present and what that means is that I cannot have his back out mm-hmm. there yep. if something were to happen. That's the baseline reality of it. And that on a felt sense level is what he's responding to in that moment. And it's not personal, right? But yep. that's where, that's I think what we mean when we talk about earning it and mm-hmm. listening in that moment instead of immediately being like, this is a problem. And I need to fix it. And how do I do that? Oh, I'm just going to use my whip and I'm going to make him go. Right. Right. And so I think because over time, then what ended up happening is because I was able to listen to that and to self-reflect. Now, when I get to the barn, I'm already in a different headspace because I'm Mm -hmm. going in already present Mm -hmm. and I'm going in without expectations it's more like yeah it's an idea let's see mm-hmm. let's go out and see right and and because I'm connected and I'm attuned with him and I'm attuned with myself he doesn't stop <laughs> because mm. I'm here when you get that feedback when he stops mm-hmm. what did you learn to do in those moments hmm I mean, that depends. Yeah. <laughs> so some days I can take that feedback and in that moment I can check in and I can check in with him and I can say, okay, 
I hear you. And I'll wait and I'll ground myself and I'll check in with the environment and yes. I'll arrive in the present moment. Yes. And often he'll kind of look at me and then <laughs> he'll chew mm-hmm. and then he'll be like, okay, we can go now. And then we'll <laughs> go and then it's okay. Other times, and often it's when I'm frustrated and I'm like, oh, this isn't working. And like, yeah. I don't have so much time, yada, yada he will continue to stop or he just will not move. And he'll look at me and be like, today is not it. You're not it. And I will turn around and I'll be like, okay, yeah, you're right. I'm not it. And I'm not going to talk you into something, you know? Right. Right. Um, And so would you say on those days, because I totally relate to this and I have the same mm -hmm. thing going on with Aria and on those days with the frustration, it's more of the, I should be doing this. We should be doing this. That's where I am on those days when that frustration comes through. My expectation or my goal for us is so rigid (laughs) on those days, I think. Yeah. And I think the horses can feel that, that we're in our heads and that we're stuck in the expectation and it's incongruent. And it means that our awareness is clouded, right? right? So we're not, we're not trustworthy in that moment. And it honestly took me so long in that moment to accept when I wasn't able to shift that it was okay to turn around because, you know, we just talked about this before we went on air, but (laughs) this idea of, well, if you give in, you're reinforcing the stopping. rewarding you're letting him have his way and all this bullshit and if that was the case then he would have never gone out with me ever again (laughs) you know but that wasn't the case like when it's right it's not even an issue yeah and that's really where the growth edge sits and if we can receive that feedback and if we can work on ourselves to yeah, become more trustworthy and become more present. We benefit from that exponentially. Mm -hmm. Um, So it's a massive opportunity. It's almost like every no is a massive opportunity that our horses get us. Yeah, absolutely. So, you know, we kind of talked about personal space a little bit, but you know, you, you brought up those everyday moments and how all of those build up to the actual activities that we engage in like riding or going for walks or Mm -hmm. our horses coming with us without other horses there stuff like that and so which is a huge question why should they want to leave their herd (laughs) yeah and so I think that's a big thing that comes up who do I have to become or what has to shift for my horse to especially ours out here they live in this massive beautiful pasture they have all the green grass they could want right now they have their herd to have my horse want to leave that with me authentically what has to happen yeah it's a great question and also something we wanted to talk about today is what is my horse reflecting to me about my relationship to personal space Mm mm-hmm you know, most horse people have experienced that pushy horse, right? Who just doesn't seem to care too much about your sense of personal space or the opposite end of a spectrum of a horse that doesn't want to come anywhere near us. Mm -hmm. 
it's one of the things I love most about working with horses, because obviously in the world of therapy and healing and self-development, we talk about boundaries all the time and embodiment and empowerment and what that looks like. But with horses, we really do have how to embody it, Mm -hmm. Uh, our sense of self-worth and our right to take up space. Yeah. And how to do that authentically, because I think especially as women, how we're socialized in our culture, we're often trained out of our intuitive awareness around our own boundaries and our own limits. And we're not given the tools or even the language to clearly communicate those things. And so there's a massive disconnect. And yeah, I think our horses can be really powerful mirrors because they give us that really unfiltered embodied Mm -hmm. feedback in those moments and the truth is sometimes like what we're talking about the refusing to come with or the running into our space to really stop and reflect and pause in those moments and and ask ourselves what's going on here Mm -hmm means that sometimes we have to accept an answer that's hard to hear where the horse is communicating I can't trust you or I don't respect you or I yeah like you said you're not it today (laughs) yeah yeah exactly and that can be hard to hear and that's I think what I mean by it becomes personal and then it sends us into all these stories that we tell ourselves about our worth and it triggers all of those things and the amazing healing I think that can happen in this is that when we reflect and we start to reconnect with our boundaries and our limits and we start to accept ourselves in that way and we start to be true and authentic in ourselves that energy shifts and our horses can trust us so for example okay I want to go for a walk with my horse and I'm feeling nervous that something's going to happen. Mm-hmm. Maybe it's not so much about us not being nervous in right. that moment, but us being aware of the fact that we're nervous and saying, you know what? Me doing this for you right now makes me really nervous, but I'm going to do it anyway. Yeah. Because I want to offer this thing to you or I want to. Um, I want to face my fear. <laughs> yeah. I want to grow for you. Right. Yeah. Like a lot of. I don't know if you've had this, but as I've gotten older, like with riding, for example, yeah. I'm not as fearless as I was yeah. as an 11 year old. <laughs> and I know that Frankie at some point started enjoying going for rides. And so I had to confront that and say, okay, this makes me nervous. We haven't done this in a while. Like, what's going to happen? And initially in those moments, I would try and pretend like I wasn't feeling that way right or for example recently where I've struggled with Graves disease which means I don't have a lot of energy and my capacity to do things is much lower and I would come to the barn and and try and like put on a joyful face because I'm like okay I finally made it out here I want to do something with Frankie and he deserves this and he needs (laughs) me to do this because he didn't choose to end up with me the sick person who oh yeah 
you know, and he would just look at me and be like, what are you doing? It's not real. And he literally would just turn his butt to me or walk away. Or, you know, if I tried to push it, he would, yeah, he would be really clear and mm-hmm. say, again, you're not it right now. Mm-hmm. And in receiving that feedback, the amount of honesty that I've been able to have towards myself and the amount yeah. of compassion has grown exponentially and it's really made me question what you said in the beginning like all of these ideas that were drilled into me about the kind of leader or person I have to be in order to be respectable and to be worthy and that that worth really is inherent and that even when I'm not feeling great like yesterday I went out and I was a little tired but then I thought you know what we'll just go a little bit and we'll see like we can see we can turn around at any point right and we had a lovely little walk and it was great but there was no pressure I just had to be honest yeah honest with yourself where am I at today what can I handle what Mm -hmm. do I feel up for and honoring that that's why I feel like (laughs) when it comes to having healthy boundaries, it really does always come back to this. Can I self-honor? Yeah. Because if we can't honor ourselves, we can't honor someone else. No. And we're going to push both of us over our limits. Yeah, exactly. And expect things that aren't even appropriate for where we're at right now. And that's where accidents happen. That's where the horse starts bucking. The only times that Frankie has ever bucked with me is when I pushed it too far and I force us into a situation that we both weren't ready for, whether that's because we physically weren't fit enough for it. Our relationship wasn't solid enough for it. Yeah. I've I've done that exact same thing. Had that happen with Aria as well, as you know, and and it's really confronting Mm -hmm. to have that happen and to be sat down again and be like, all right, I got to go back to the drawing board here and go back to the basics. But it's a real gift because it brings us back every time more and more in touch with our true self. And okay, well, where was I in that moment? What led up to this happening? How was I pushing myself? How was I pushing my horse as a result of pushing myself and pushing past my intuition? And I think that's been an interesting thing to explore because I personally was someone who had horrible boundaries for a very long time. <laughs> Enmeshment everywhere and codependency. And it's been a healing journey to come home to myself and get back into my body and really remember my needs, right? Yeah. And be able to advocate for that. And so I think one of the things that I love that I've learned from working with my horses in this way is I might need to set a boundary where someone else might not, because it is making me uncomfortable. Like Ari is a very playful horse and has a ton of energy, but there are certain times where someone might feel okay with that, who's maybe a little bit more experienced. But when I was first starting out with her, it was too much. And so Mm -hmm. I get to be like, this is too much. This is uncomfortable, right? Absolutely. And that is my inner guidance. That's all Mm -hmm. I need to know. This isn't comfortable for me. And these rules and these shoulds of what things are supposed to look like or how we're supposed to be with our horses or just in general in relationships, they block that flow of inner guidance and authenticity, which is what keeps us safe. Yeah, exactly. That's your right 
to self-preservation. Self-preservation is such an important word when it comes to working with horses because that's their natural state of being. Yeah. Well, and that's how they operate when it comes to setting boundaries. So maybe let's talk about that a little bit because I think a lot of the narratives that have come you know, specifically out of early natural horsemanship approaches is this is based on how horses communicate. But I think there's a lot more gray area, like we talked about, and there's a lot that we have missed or maybe misread, I think. Right. And the biggest one of that is this idea that we have of pressure and release. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so much of that is based on that, where... I'm going to apply pressure until you yield and you submit. And that means that you've accepted me as your leader. Right. When really what's happening in that moment is, again, like we've already talked about, is learned helplessness. I won't stop putting pressure on you until you submit. And I'm going to make anything that you do that isn't what I want incredibly uncomfortable for you until you somehow figure out what I want you to do. And that creates really shut down horses. So instead, if we observe horses in the wild, Mm -hmm. the way that they set boundaries and the way that they communicate is via personal space and it's about resources. So, and that brings us back to the self-preservation conversation where a stallion will chase a bachelor stallion off of his herd, but he will only chase him to where his boundary sits around that. And then he's going to let up, right? right. He's going to go back and he's going to be like, all right, my point has been made. I'm done. Or a horse is going to chase another horse off of a pile of hay, but they're going to chase them off the pile of hay and they're not going to continue pursuing them until that horse gives up or submits it's not about that it's about this is my space this is my resource and I'm gonna protect that and I'm gonna make that clear but outside of that you can do what you please you can be who you want to be right but it's not directed it's like I'm doing this for me this is mine I'm claiming this space I'm claiming this resource I'm not telling you what you should or should not do Mm-hmm. And I think I have this conversation a lot with my clients when we talk about boundaries and a lot of people approach it to where they're like, okay, this person is doing something that I don't like and I want them to stop. Right. Mm-hmm. And instead of saying, for example, if you continue to do this, I will respond in this way. They say, you need to stop doing that. And that's not what it's about because that creates resistance. It creates defensiveness. It creates stress and it's not clear. Well, and then it's like you're trying to control someone else versus controlling what you can control, which is yourself. Exactly. And actually in that moment, we are actually disrespecting that person's boundary. You need to be this way so I can feel okay, which is just not how that works. Yeah. <laughs> but what you were saying before it made me think because horses use pressure release with each other right well I think that's the tricky part is it's it's not pressure if we were to feel and we do these exercises at the clinics mm-hmm. and 
again, like we've talked about so many times, it's about what it feels like, right? Mm -hmm. So it's not personal. If I direct it at the horse, it's going to feel like pressure. If I direct something at you, because I want you to do something my way, it's going to feel like pressure. If I say, this is what I need, this is what I want, it's going to feel, yeah, more open and it has more to do with accountability, clear communication. And really I'm saying, I'm aware of myself and this is what I need right now. Mm-hmm. So there's a, there's a clarity in that and there's a... Yeah, it's the intention behind it. Yeah, there's a desire to want to share myself with another being and that again creates safety because it helps the other being understand us better and it's congruent to how we're feeling so there's multiple aspects of that that create or contribute to relational safety yeah yeah so I'm, I'm really hesitant to use no, the technology I, I of pressure and release I'm like I I feel allergic to it <laughs> <laughs> yeah so it is about the intention. And this is what I love about the somatic exercises that we do at the clinics and how lunging is presented, for example, and this exercise of space claiming that we do, where you choose a spot that you want to claim in the arena. And perhaps that's where the horse is standing, but you're not directing it towards the horse. Like you just said, mm-hmm. you're going to claim that place. And so that shifts the energy of the quote unquote pressure, then it's really just about the movement of energy. Well, you're doing it for yourself. Exactly. You're doing it for yourself. You're not telling the horse what to do. If the horse moves and often they can move because the energy is flowing, it comes from that authentic place. And so if I'm doing that for myself, it's neutral and it, and it can move. If I'm doing it, to control or dictate someone else it's very restrictive and it's very it has a totally different feeling yeah yeah well and in the end what it always comes back to is that it creates pressure right right? like I mean I don't know if you or people have had this experience but you know having parents or friends who have very narrow expectations for us of how we need to show up in relationship in order for them to be okay, it creates a very narrow box of what is okay to exist within. And, and it's not accepting and it's not free. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I think it's, this is such a good conversation because it's just a whole paradigm shift to using energy in this way when it comes to horses that we are we're moving energy we're not putting pressure on and I think that that is so counterintuitive when you've grown up in the horse world (laughs) well the horse world and in our world again returning to that reality that so many of us don't know how to set boundaries we're not connected with our limits and anger is a big part of this for example women are not allowed to feel angry often so we're we're so cut off from our agency when it comes to that. And so, yeah, I think when we learn to engage with our horses in this way, it teaches us so much about healthy relationship 
And that, in my experience, has translated directly to my relationships with other people in my life, to where I can become more accepting and more open and more clear um, about where I'm at and what I need. Yeah. And I think in the end, really, it's about, again, it's about feeling worthy, feeling that I'm allowed to claim my space, Mm -hmm. which at minimum is my space bubble, but is my house. It's my, my life. I get to live my life for myself. I get to decide who comes into my house. I get to decide how I want to be treated. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's why I really love sharing this work with women because to what you said, just that exercise of space claiming alone is so powerful, um, which we do with a rope that you swing around your body to claim your personal space in a very physicalized way. Mm-hmm. It brings up so much for women because it's using that sense of power that we have been so disconnected from and that right to say no. Yeah. And use our voice. Mm-hmm. So. Yeah. And I think something that you said too is doing that in a way, again, that feels authentic to you, not using <laughs> our voice how we're supposed to, right? Right. Where, again, so much, and, you know, we can talk about this in the horse world or just in general, how we're socialized, but again, this idea of this macho or alpha approach that, you know, is connected to these very patriarchal systems. Yeah, well, it's just like having to be aggressive in order to be taken seriously. And it's kind of that boss bitch archetype. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, and I think what you're speaking to, like, you work mainly with women but I think you know for anyone who comes in contact with this work I think if we're willing to lean into it and engage in that self-reflection it's going to trigger the ways in which we've been socialized in that way and often we find that both realities are true that the pendulum swings from I feel like I can't assert myself. And when push comes to shove, I turn to people pleasing. And at the same time, when I'm in a situation where I have to demonstrate leadership, I do it in a way that's very authoritarian and um, aggressive and macho. And I think that's regardless of gender, we're all socialized around these things. And so it's really freeing on both ends of that spectrum. And, And it's like, how can I find the middle ground here? Like, where does my actual power sit? And doing that in a really authentic way. I've been watching all these videos of wild horse herds and watching how they communicate. And yes, on first perspective, it looks aggressive. Right. right? There's this big display and it's very physical, but at the same time, it's never more than necessary. It's not this bottomless aggression. It's very like, this is what's needed to get my point across and no more. Right. And so there's this really attuned conversation happening, even within what we would probably perceive as conflict. 
And so, yeah, it's, it, I'm just really interested in what it means to show up in that way that's really clear and empowered. Yes. Power without dominance. Yeah. And, and again, I think it goes back to, you know, for the sake of what? You mean power for the sake of? Am I asserting myself for myself to preserve myself or am I doing it to push myself onto another right? Yeah. or to, to dominate someone or to gain power over someone? I think that's maybe what I'm realizing right now as we're talking about this, where that line sits for me. And one of them is harmful and the other one is clear and justified (laughs) right right and I think that's a perfect description of how the horses see it when it is coming from that place of self-preservation they understand that and they're not taking it as punishment or inappropriate yeah do we want to talk about the Helpless, help, bleh, bleh. Helper, syndrome. <laughs> helper syndrome. Yeah, I mean, it's come up today because I think it came up in that conversation when you were describing how you get to the barn and you want to go for the walk. And it's like, I drove all the way out here. I take such good care of you, horse. <laughs> like, yeah. Why do you want to give this back to me? Right. So, yeah, no matter how good of a person, and I put good in quotations because good in our perspective of what good means Um, well yeah it's being totally selfless is often what our sense of good actually means and just giving 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 yeah we're when we're actually crossing our own limits and showing up how we think other people would want us to show up being what we think other people would want us to be being polite all those things yeah and I think there's something to be said for you know being a good person in general. But I think, again, it's maybe to what end. If I'm doing it because I, it, I'm i expecting something in return, mm-hmm. yuck, that's, <laughs> that's icky. Yeah, there's strings attached. It feels like a box. And that is very much felt by the horse. Is something I'm very clear on at this point. It doesn't matter how much we spend on their vet bills or, you know, how much we're giving them that doesn't mean anything (laughs) in that rational sense because that's not how they think and why shouldn't they have a right to that anyway well yeah that's that's our responsibility by taking on the responsibility of a horse right we're responsible for their care but they don't owe us anything right for that they didn't choose to be here but I think you said something about for one yeah it being conditional but also a way of controlling like it feels very emotionally manipulative where you know it's like the mother that says when something comes up and it's like oh you don't love me I'm such a bad mom where it becomes personal again but in a in a way that's very self-pitying and it's a very fragile place I think to put ourselves because that means that however my horse is going to respond in that moment is going to dictate how I feel about myself right and whether I'm worthy or not or whether I'm lovable or not oh yeah Um, I mean it's kind of the definition of codependency exactly this is what happens when 
our sense of self is coming from outside of ourselves. Yeah. Our sense of self-worth especially is something that we get from without rather than from within and by how people respond to us and the reflections we're getting in their responses. And it is a very fragile place to live when that's what your self-worth is built on because you have no control over that and it's not an accurate reflection. Yeah. And I would argue too, that again, maybe it also puts a lot of pressure and expectation on the other person. Oh yeah. God forbid (laughs) that person sets a boundary for themselves or, decides that they want to do something else today or that they actually can't hang out and all of a sudden the relationship is in jeopardy your sense of self is in jeopardy totally and so yeah it's almost like again we're we're overstepping our horses boundaries and pulling them into a really unhealthy dynamic by doing that and so I think maybe as I'm looking at it, boundaries and limits in that way are interchangeable. Like we have to also internally monitor, am I respecting my horse's boundaries in this moment? And what about their behavior is letting me know whether that's true or not, or what they might need. Yeah, I think this piece around them owing us is really important to explore if you have that going on. I've certainly been guilty of that. It's definitely part of the process, you know, and I think that's just what happens for a lot of us when we have had that fun response from a young age, I've had patterns of enmeshment. And so our relationship to giving and receiving is quite skewed. Um, Mm -hmm. And so it's this opportunity with what we're talking about now to, to reclaim your relationship to what it is to give and receive Mm -hmm. in, in a healthy, authentic way that is free for both parties right that's such a beautiful opportunity for our relationships in general especially our marriages and romantic partnerships and you know the pressure that we put when we have these I gave you this so you need to give me that right that is pressure (laughs) yeah and I think the part that it's conditional is really the main aspect of that yes oh there was something I wanted to say we were talking about receiving Oh, interdependence. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Because it reminded me of too what you said earlier about how in a healthy relationship, it's two sovereign individuals that are choosing to enter into relationship and be in engaged relationship with each other. Mm-hmm. And there's compromise and there's communication and there's authenticity and clarity because in the end you know we don't want our friends or our horses at least I don't to do things because I want them to or because I'm pushing them to I want them to want to do things with me because we equally care about each other and the relationship is enriching and inherently fulfilling and reciprocal for both of us So I'm I'm always really curious about this concept of interdependence versus codependence or independence and how exactly, like you said in the beginning, how we can be in touch with ourselves and our own needs and our own worth while respecting other people's needs and selves and worth. 
Mm-hmm. Yeah. And that we're not going to want the same thing all the time. Mm-hmm. And so can we let that be okay? Can we make space for that? Can we learn to not take that personally and yeah. make that in something about the relationship as a whole? It's just like a small example, but the amount of people that take it personally when the horse comes over to say hi, and then they walk away, or if the horse doesn't want to come mm-hmm. and just mm-hmm. all that that brings up for someone. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. And I think that's where our horses can teach us so much about interdependent relationships because that's how they live. And really that's how we were designed to live too. Yep. I think we've just, our socialization and the systems that we exist within have really trained us out of that. Yep. And nine times out of 10, all that person has to do is do something for themselves and come mm-hmm. back into their own body. And suddenly the horse wants to come over and say hi. Yeah. <laughs> and I see that happen over and over and over again. So it's like this focus and this fixation. But when we take that pressure off and we soften and we come back to ourselves, that's when people want to engage, right? That's when a horse wants to come and engage. Yes. Oh my gosh. I think the fixation is exactly the, the part about the pressure and release thing that is the issue it's yeah it's exactly that it's it's the fixation is what creates the pressure and when we can let that go and we can just coexist yes (laughs) as, as our authentic selves there's so much freedom for connection and space for mutual expression and for multiple truths, right? Mm-hmm. Not just our truth, but our horse's truth and our partner's truth. And yeah. Yeah. It's such a, a big, expansive, beautiful conversation. And I think what I always keep coming back to with this idea of boundaries and in relationships and authentic communication is it's just like that deep listening to the moment and to self and that presence. And if you are present, you're going to know what the moment needs. Mm -hmm. Uh, As opposed to going in with this whole set of rules or a formula. Yeah. The magic lies in the gray area. (laughs) Yes. (laughs) And the freedom. Yeah, it really does. Yeah. So it's the willingness to be in the discomfort of, okay, we're in a moment of disconnection. And what is being called for here? Yeah, but interestingly enough, often those moments are when we are catapulted into connection. Yeah, right. <laughs> because we're, we're acutely made aware of the discomfort. Like the discomfort of that moment is what pulls us into the reality. Yeah if you're coming at it from a place of really wanting to reflect (laughs) as opposed to make that discomfort go away as quickly as possible. Right. That's true. Yes. That is a prerequisite. But even if we're trying to avoid it, you know, we can still become aware of the fact that we're avoiding it Mm -hmm. and our horses will let us know. And I think maybe we'll talk about this more in our next episode. I think the loose plan is that we're going to talk about horses as teachers and, and what, that actually means or what that can look like and the dark night of the soul 
also we will be yes. talking about when it feels like it's just all falling apart and you are in that pit of despair of oh god how are we ever gonna reconnect yeah exactly if we have both experienced yeah cool well I think that feels like a good place to yes it does if anyone as always if you have questions on anything we talked about today or a question that you have regarding the being with horses philosophy we are always here to answer your questions and love to connect with all of you out there who are listening yes so you can find our contact info in the show notes Instagram is a super easy way to connect with us, but I believe we have our emails in there too. Yeah. Okay. Until next time. Thanks guys. Bye.